I was kind of thinking about it, and I don't know if this is relevant for the episode. Have we talked about our process while, we, while we've been quarantined, how we've been doing these? I mean, I wonder if people would like to know. I... Well, uh, what do we got today? 63? Dude. Dude. Is it podcast time? I'm, I'm down if you are, man. Episode 63... <laughs> Gearbuds podcast, hanging out with your dudes, Henry and Dave. Hey. Duo cast, no guests this week. We're gonna keep it tight, short, and sweet. We're recording on a Thursday, which Thursday. We, I don't know that we've I don't think we've ever done that it's before. It's a Thursday morning. Yeah, for people who don't know, we usually record on Saturdays and release them on Mondays. And today's Thursday, because I will be uh skipping town for a couple days. And and I want to say thanks to you for accommodating me on this early morning schedule. Oh man, it's my pleasure. You know, I mean, there's something about this whole Rona thing that's turned me into a morning person, so I'm I'm here for it. That's great. Uh, there are there are a couple things that are, like are a little sort of time sensitive that uh, you know might not be super ideal for the for the show, but whatever, man. Let's just fucking get into it. Yeah, let's do Dive it. Dive into the symphony here. Uh, reminder, as always, cables are tone tubes. Uh, I would like to thank all of our listeners for sticking around with us and, and checking us out every week, and and the new and old and everything in between thank you so much it means everything to us uh we do we do it for y'all we do it for ourselves yeah but we do it for y'all follow us on instagram and facebook subscribe spotify apple podcast stitcher google <clears throat> as always uh there's still free stuff being updated a reminder if you haven't listened last week or if you didn't listen to last week's episode i did actually take the time to go back and update uh gearbudspodcast.com with all the free stuff and i also and i don't think i even told you this yet maybe maybe i did maybe i didn't mm -hmm. i uh added a new section uh specifically for the uh for the for the riff library that i've been updating on the spotify playlist so now you can actually easily access that if you just go to gearbudspodcast.com there's a i think it's i might have called it riff library section now and you can just go and listen to all the yeah all the records that and we I, talk about i posted a link on our facebook page on uh tuesday also so if you if you need Hell to find yeah. it there find it there but uh dude that's a great i was i was cranking that uh god what is it the mahavishnu orchestra or something oh man yes. bro that is some fusion man i love yeah. it it's, it's wild shit Man. Go back and listen to that episode because I'm sure I I'm sure I spent a lot of time drooling all over that record in particular because oh, uh, John McLaughlin favorite I don't okay I'm not gonna say favorite guitar player I'm gonna say top five favorite guitar player okay. uh, and just like that whole band man Dude. there's yeah there's so much good stuff on there if you've never listened to it go check out our riff library playlist on the old Spotify. Uh, and also listen to our last episode with yeah. our good friend Noah Pelty because that was a good one, man. That was so fun. And I say this a lot, man, but like I, I could have talked to that guy for another hour at least. I mean, it was we'll have to have him on again because I, you know, I want to stay up to date. I also want to say this, man. I think the last few guests, I mean, we've just been having bangers, bro. I, I don't know if, if you guys haven't <laughs> listened from like CJ, you know, we had Sophia, um, I, I don't know. It, it you know it's 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 been awesome. Gretchen, James, James. I mean, yeah, Noah. It's it's uh, there's there's been uh, the thing that I like about it is that we've had a lot of diversity in terms of the backgrounds of our guests. Absolutely, the, the things that they do: studio owners, musicians, songwriters, Broadway actors. Right. There's, there's a little bit of something for everybody. And and I will say that last episode, I don't really love it when we have hour and a half long episodes. Sure. Like that is a, a bit of a commitment. But I just couldn't bring myself to edit anything else out of it because there was just a lot of interesting perspective that yeah. we don't normally get on the show and the conversation was a flowing so yeah it really know, was whatever man. you know it's like you don't want to cut it off just to be like hey it's you know it's time but i understand you know you gotta you know chop these things up and stuff like that and work with them but you know I, man i, I could have talked to him for another hour so we should definitely uh you know 
maybe in a couple months get him back on again and, and see we'll get him back on you know what we'll do after after broadway reopens and his his show that had to remain nameless uh, opens and we get exclusive backstage access when we go out and visit and he flies uh, us to we'll new york to come check him out yeah that'd be great yeah because we're super important he will <laughs> uh he'll fly us out and we'll do another we'll do another live uh live on the scene podcast on broadway how about that love it dude i'm in uh, things to go to uh, Noah's show. Things to not go to Herd Immunity <laughs> Fest, uh, which uh, we've got an name, update. Right? Yeah, July Mini Fest is now called. Uh, but I, the the message stays the same. Please still don't fucking go to that. Yeah, uh, it's in. What did we 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 establish? It's in like uh, I don't even remember. It was like Pig Shit, Wisconsin. It was some. It was some, it was like it wasn't. It was eighty uh, miles outside of Green Bay, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but if it's 80, no. 80 miles out of Green Bay, Packerland, um, you know it's going to be a shithole. So don't go there. You know, sorry, I don't want to shit on a festival. I know they're trying, but you know, I don't know. Fun tip. Uh, I do want to shit on that festival because it was called Herd Immunity Fest, and it is essentially <laughs> them saying, "Hey, fuck you" to everyone who has died from coronavirus. Well, and here's the thing, man. They're like, "Oh, it's a ten thousand person." you know area and they're going to cut it to 2500 but who, what's going to stop those 2500 people from just jamming up against each other and you know shouting and spitting and sweating and and, and just being that close it's just that it frightens me it really does yeah it's like it was like that dickhead chase rice having his show in yeah. tennessee that we talked about when you see the pictures from it yeah of, yeah they limited it to a thousand people Everybody's, every single one of those person pushed up to the front not one mask on they're all singing along yeah sweating on each other it's they're, like it's, it's more like on, a big don't fuck do it you. yeah it's just more like it's just more like a big fuck you and i don't appreciate that you know? no it's it's just yeah it's trying to politicize a, a an international tragedy yeah. and and this will have already happened unfortunately by the time this episode comes out but i wanted to add mm-hmm. The fucking Iceman himself, Vanilla Ice, is having a July 4th concert with this sort of exact same thing going on. What? (laughs) Yes. And he was sort of like, yeah, you know, whatever. They didn't have coronavirus in the 90s or some shit. I don't even remember what he said. It was something like that. But like, fuck that. Like... Do you, is is vanilla ice really worth risking your and and your death and the deaths of others? Like really vanilla ice? From what I understand, uh he's got a show on like HGTV or something. He like builds houses. I think he's got a pretty big following. So there's going to be a lot of people there to see him whether they're into his music or just want to see him because they like his 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 show where he builds houses. I don't know, but uh it's Dude, just do you remember it. This just I didn't I didn't think of this until a second. Do you remember, I don't know, say ten years ago, Vanilla Ice played Wicker Park Fest? That's right. I saw I've seen Vanilla Ice in concert now that I think about this is this is really upsetting to me. I I I, I completely blocked that memory out of my head. I've seen Vanilla Ice in concert. Jesus. Uh did he do his metal version the new metal version of Ice Ice Baby? Ice Ice Baby. Uh-oh. All right, stop. Don't go to Vanilla Ice's show and listen. <laughs> What is going and, and is he just performing by himself? Where is I didn't look into it beyond the fact uh, that I was disgusted that he was, you know, trying to own the libs with a vanilla ice concert. I mean, come on, man. What are we doing, people? Anyways, don't go to that shit. Don't go to festivals. Uh, here's here's you know, here is the opposite of that, which is a good idea. Okay. And that is on July seventh, which I guess will be the day after this episode comes out. Okay. Uh is that's Ringo Starr's eightieth birthday. 
Wow, and to celebrate, he's not having a fuck the libs uh, concert. He's having a live stream concert because that's what people should do right now. Uh, And it will have guests such as Paul McCartney, Cheryl Crow, Joe Walsh, Ben Harper, Sheila E, Gary Clark. It's free to watch. It'll be on YouTube. Uh, But they're encouraging donations, which will go to Black Lives Matter, the Mm -hmm. David Lynch Foundation, Music Cares, which we've talked about a lot on here, and Water Aid. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm gonna be watching that shit for sure. Definitely be watching that. I mean, not gonna be anywhere else so you might as well check it no. out it's, yeah that'll be i guess in this upcoming tuesday july 7th cool uh, check it out i'm sure that i'm sure they'll they'll cash it and, and it'll you'll be able to watch it later but it's just kind of it's fun to i i find it fun to participate in these sorts of live streams knowing that there are hundreds of thousands of others out there also paying attention and, and joining in yeah man that's uh and hey man if, if paul's gonna be there then i'm in man i mean shit yeah, and there and there are a bunch of others, uh, a, b- a bunch of other guests. I know that they're doing some sort of like all star version. Obviously, Ringo Starr's all star band of of some new song. Right. I don't know all the deals uh, details of that, but just watch it. It'll be it'll be a fun thing to do on Tuesday. Happy birthday, uh, Ringo! That's awesome. Happy Happy Ringo Day! Birthday! Wow, that's a big yeah, one. man. I always forget he was the oldest Beatle. Yeah, he was at least a couple years older than the guy, other guys. Right? Yeah, Paul just turned seventy eight. Right. Yep. I, there I, only, you go. I only know that because he's my dad's age by like a few days. I only know that because he's my dad. <laughs> I almost spit my coffee out. Dude. A, little, a, little, uh, a little early for a spit take there. I uh, would have had a uh, malfunction on the keyboard here. Yeah, dude. A couple other a couple other things uh, going on worth noting. And these are also, um, well, one of them is time sensitive. The first thing I want to mention, and this is obviously hyper local to our Chicago friends here, but I learned about this uh, thing called the Chicago Independent Venue League. Mm-hmm. If you go to CIVL, Chicago Independent Venue League, uh, Chicago.com, uh, it's actually a coalition of all of the independently owned music venues in Chicago have uh, joined together um, uh, via this website to sort of s- all support and lift each other up. You can go there and donate uh, mm-hmm. to any of your favorite venues. I mean, you name a Chicago venue, yeah. it's it's part of this part of this organization but it's also a lot of resources uh and articles and things about things that you can do as a musician or 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 just for anybody that if you want to sort of participate in keeping live music alive in the future after this pandemic um go check it out civlchicago.com i'm guessing that's pronounced civil but you know i don't know yeah Uh, civilchicago.com a lot of cool stuff there resources and if you feel like donating you can and then this is a this is a thing that's very time sensitive but i just learned about it and i want to mention it and if you happen to listen to this episode on monday uh you'll get a couple hours to to join in here so um, I learned about uh, a small organization called Gear Doing Good, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously is right up our league. It's until July 6th, I believe at like 5 p.m. Eastern, I want to say. And this um, small coalition of builders called the League of Noise Builders, it is a loose confederation of folks building gear for use in making music, and they're primarily guitar effects pedals. Each participating manufacturer is donating a prize to be raffled for the cause. For every $10 that you contribute, that is uh, one entry into this raffle, and it'll go to the Movement for Black Lives. And basically, it's like a ton of awesome pedal builders that are some of our friends uh, have all joined together, and you pay 10 bucks and you get a free entry in this raffle, and then you can possibly win one of these really cool pedals, and all oh, the cool. proceeds are going 
again to gear doing good and then that mo- um, money is going to the Black Lives Matter uh, movement so okay. uh, go check it out there is a couple I, I've donated there's a couple on there that I wanted particularly uh, the one one of the harmonic percolator clones that I do not own yet made Ooh. by Land Devices is up there so I'm very very much hoping for that and then if not you know what the money's going to a good cause yeah. you only have until I believe again I believe it's 5pm Eastern time on Monday July 6th so okay. super super short time maybe we want to post it on Facebook or something like that before yeah. then uh, to, to go check it out. I think there's actually a way, if you don't have money, I think that there is a way to get one free entry without um, donating. But I, th- I think really the, the point of this is to also put our money uh, to good use right now. So go check Absolutely. that out. It's uh, com slash donate slash gear doing good. Very cool. And uh, that's all I got for the symphony. So um, before I get into this, I want to say, I don't know if everybody was able to listen to last week, but added a sweet little effect <laughs> uh, here. And, and, and I'm, and from now on, I'm going to do it again. Whenever I say Dave's Docs. Oh, dude, that effect last week, I cracked up, man. It was so good. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, really was just an inside joke for you specifically, which is kind of a goofy thing to do as podcast hosts. But whatever, man, we got to entertain ourselves. If, yeah, if, if you want to add it in every episode, I am 100% down, man. Oh, I've, I've got it baked into baked into the preset now, so it should be pretty easy nice. to automate uh, every week here. And then, it, I mean, it's, it's just a tape delay. All That's all. It, it's just like a space echo. Yeah, well, um, I really liked what the do you effect. Got? I thought it was tasty. What do you got for us? Well, I've got a... Okay, so I've, I've been, we've been hitting some bangers the last few weeks. Just like our guests, we've been having great Dave's Docs. Perfect uh, scores for at least three weeks running. Perfect scores, you know, if not maybe a 90% score on, on, or above on, on all the last few Dave's Docs. Um, this one, this one I had a hard time with. Uh, Did you well, watch the Garth Brooks? I'm just going to get into it. I, I, I tried watching the Garth Brooks uh, Netflix documentary. Oh, now, yes! Now it's it's called Garth Brooks. I'm on the road. Um, it's two. What's eight, the format? It's, multiple episodes. It's two eighty minute, eighty ish minute episodes. So there's okay. only two. I made it about forty minutes into the first one. That's it. Um, well, I had to go to bed. It was kind of late, but then I woke up and I was like, I don't want to watch the rest of this. And I, I think I will at some point. Okay, so here's the thing, man. I don't want to take anything away from Garth Brooks because honestly, I, I learned a lot about like him coming up as a kid. You know, his parents were musicians. His mom was like this crazy, uh, like country singer, like excellent, excellent singer. And she was always like, you know, pursue your dreams and you know, you don't have to go to college and that kind of stuff. Okay. And um, his dad was a little, you know, a little more conservative and that. And so he started playing guitar at a very young age. And he was kind of that guy. He was kind of that guy at the party who knew like he knew all the songs, like a Beatles song or a you know, an old country standard or something, Willie Nelson, you know, cash, all that kind of stuff. And he could really repertoire and he could really play guitar, man. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of footage and like uh, audio tracks of him playing and he sounds fantastic, man. I mean, and you know, for the, for those who don't really listen to country, that's not easy music to sing, like to sing it well and not do like an over-exaggerated kind of like I'm making fun of this type singing. Um, He actually has a legit voice and, and, good chops on the guitar. Now, I will say that um, the, the, the modern Garth Brooks, the one that they interview for this, it's, he's cringy, man. I, I mean, I, I don't really know how else to say it, dude. I, I don't want to. How so? I don't want to shit on the guy. Well, I, I know he, I can tell, first of all, he's done like all the production behind this thing. So this, this documentary is definitely like his, his thing. Cause like every time they interview him and this is just like little weird things I noticed, the camera is really close to his face. 
Like, <laughs> like you can see like the pores on his on his nose. Like it's and and it's oh, just all zoomed in. Four K. And then he and then he like has to top everything off. Like when he's talking about himself, he has to top it off with like a life lesson. Like um, he'll be like, you know, when when I was growing up with my dad, you know, it was the it was the best times, but it was also the hardest times. You know, and just trying to get like those little like sound bites in there and stuff. And just to me, profound it, moments. Yeah, everything's a profound moment. And it just seemed to me like a little, you know, a little contrived, a little bit. I don't know. It just a little bit like dramatic, you know, and which yeah. I don't think you need to do in a doc. I mean, I've been watching a lot of these things. Just be real. Um, that being said, I am going to go back and watch the rest of it. And I will do a follow up on the rest of this. But, you know, for the most part, I learned about him as a, you know, a young guy and in college. And he was kind of just this, you know, the, the musician in the, you know, in the house. You know, he was the guy who knew all the songs. Um, and that's about as far as I got, man. It it was just we'll get back to it. You know, I think it was, I'm into uh, that. I can't give it a fair grade yet because I got to watch yeah. the whole thing. Um, but I would say check it out. I just it's it's cringy to get through the parts where he's like, you know, it's current him talking to the camera and stuff. I just it's it's really hard to watch, man. Well, I'll you know what I, I, I appreciate I appreciate the effort. Yeah, uh, I'll say I'll ask you for uh, how many black Takaminis uh, out of <laughs> black Takaminis you're gonna you're gonna rate it in the future. Yeah, uh, but yeah. you know I look forward to that. And and this is this actually works out because I also have a minor contribution to Dave's docs this week. I, I watched a little something that I wanted to talk about, and I was and I was sort of kind of half hoping that this is this would randomly be the thing that you watched as well mm-hmm. uh, because that would be funny. Um, but it it wasn't. I watched last night in fact i watched uh the new will ferrell eurovision movie okay it's uh, i don't know if you've heard about this but there's a new will ferrell movie out yeah. uh, where it's him and rachel mcadams competing in the eurovision competition okay. and so it's obviously not a doc but it is a music movie so i thought it would be worth watching and talking about um Basically, it, it, him and Rachel McAdams are friends. They live in Iceland since they're children, and his lifelong goal is to get on and win the Eurovision contest. For those who don't know, Eurovision is basically like, I don't know, like American Idol or something for all okay. of Europe. But it, it's about it's about original music. Like you have to have an original song that you write, and then you go and compete. And oh, that's kind of cool. Has submissions and whatever. It's this super long. It's a real thing. It's a super long running competition throughout Europe. Um, and so, obviously, you know, Will Ferrell and, and Rachel McAdams are these uh, fictional characters. You know, it's like I didn't. It, it's not. It's not good. I'll I'll start off by saying that it, it's. Uh, I didn't turn it off, which I think is uh, the best compliment I can give it. Rachel McAdams gives a really good performance. Although, yeah. if you've ever seen, uh, if you've ever seen the old SNL skit where Winona Ryder uh, Im- does a Bjork impersonation, yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't help but feel like Rachel McAdams was impersonating Winona Ryder, impersonating Bjork <laughs> a lot of the time. Okay, uh, it's you know, it's it's fine. I laughed a couple times. It wasn't offensively bad, but it also wasn't particularly good however the one thing i wanted to mention is that there was some pretty good gear spotting uh, oh. to, to be had in here because it is a music movie yeah um a couple things that tickled me uh, there's like this sort of fantasy scene in the beginning where, where will ferrell is like imagine they're you know practicing in their small practice room but in his mind he's like imagining this like epic major thing sure, right as we all do and 
Yeah, yeah, and and uh, that's that that was kind of one of the more interesting parts of the movie. And they're both, and I noticed that they're both playing Nord stage pianos at this point, which is very cool. Uh, as as a gear as a gear nerd, uh, I found particularly interesting since they're Icelandic. Nord is a Swedish company, so you so know, a little attention to detail sort of makes sense. Yeah, but then so when they flash back to the actual practice space, mm-hmm. they're both playing keyboards, but they're not these fancy Nords. They're playing a Yamaha DX7, which wow. we've talked about quite a bit recently, yeah. and then this sort of like I couldn't see exactly what it was, but some sort of what looked like a Moog uh, synth, which obviously those aren't cheap. But yeah. you'll appreciate this. There's a they play in this sort of like crappy bar band at home, and the bass player plays a Tokai jazz bass. Oh, really? And it and it looks like one of like the era that I had, where it, the Tokai logo looks exactly like the Fender, the Fender logo. One. Yeah, the lawsuit yeah. ones. Yeah, absolutely. So I can't remember. I know, obviously the P bass was called the Hard Puncher, the hard which puncher. is just like the greatest thing ever. I can't remember what the jazz bass was oh. called. And I couldn't see close enough on the headstock. Damn I was hoping I used, you might remember. I used to know. I think it. Oh, I'm gonna be so off. I think it was called like the smooth tone or something, or like the. That sounds right. It could. Some, it's something like that. Ah, we'll have to get it in the symphony next week. Yeah, throw it yeah. in the symphony next week. Oh, that's the funny, one. The dude. last thing I want to say about it though is that uh, in the sort of like main final, of course, obviously this whatever spoilers, but like yeah, they're gonna fucking make it to the it, the movie's called Eurovision. They're gonna make it to Eurovision, right? Right. Um, and in that performance, uh, which you see quite a bit actually, like rehearsing and everything, Rachel McAdams plays a Yamaha CP70B, just oh. like. I've got sitting right next to me no right way. here. Yeah, so that's pretty. I loved seeing the old Yamaha stuff. As as folks know, I'm an old Yamaha stan. That's so a, that was my contribution. Spot, uh, man. Eurovision. Well, I, yeah. I have to ask you one one question because I think it's relevant to our conversation last week uh, with our guest Noah. Were they were they playing their instruments? So it, it I I don't think so. I mean, I mean they're obviously Will Ferrell pre-recorded. plays keyboards, and that's super easy to that's super easy to fake, yeah, right? Because yeah. you can just like sort of sit be, behind it. At a at one point, Rachel McAdams is playing a telly. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like some sort of American telly, and but they they definitely they they frame it in such a way that you never see her yeah, hands. That's the so move. yeah. I think I I don't think so. Uh, mm-hmm. It looked like the it looked like the dude playing the jazz bass at that one point um, mm-hmm. was probably actually a bassist, and they have this like little kid on drums, which is sort of a joke. <laughs> um, Maybe he was actually playing. I don't know, but uh, definitely, definitely not. Will and uh, Rachel—they were not. Well, I'll. Playing. You know what? I'll throw that on, man. After I finish my Garth Brooks doc, uh, at some point, I will. I will check that out. It's it's good for you. Don't have to pay close attention. You can right. kind of just let it happen and mm-hmm. tune into the songs every once in a while. Okay. There, there, like the my biggest. I'll, this is the last thing I'll say. My biggest problem with it is that I feel like it couldn't. Cu- decide what type of movie it wanted to be ah. at some points it was just like super over the top slapstick yeah. ridiculous like obviously satire bullshit but then like it kind of gets a little genuine and hokey a few points right. and i'm just like you should have just like just stick stick with the the goofball comedy like there there was there were some like stepbrothers moments and that yes. is the tone that it should have had right. not like not this sort of like heartwarming romance thing that they tried to ah. shoehorn in yeah well i i must say like i saw it on my you know how netflix like they advertise and it pops oh up, yeah but then it's like then it was gone and I was kind of like, I kind of forgot about it. So sometimes when that happens, either they released a bunch of new stuff and it got buried or they were like, eh, it didn't do as well as we thought. So we might just back off a little bit. I'm pretty sure it's getting, it's getting uh, slammed by critics because it's just, <laughs> it's not good. It's, okay. it's fine, but it's not good. Well, I'll put it on. It'll be All some right. good like background, background movie, like you said. Good background. Yeah. What is not good background? What is, what is grab your attention 
and you got to listen yeah. is what I want to talk about for the Riff Library this Let's week. Let's have it, man. I'm and ready. this is an album that I'm and I'm I'm quite certain you also are a fan of uh, and and love quite a bit, and that is 2009's Them Crooked Vultures. Oh, dude. Uh, self-titled Them Crooked Vultures. They've come up when we've talked about super groups and all this kind of shit, dude. I just might love be this the, record. They man. might be the super group, man. I, mean, I think they are, arguably in the top five of all. Time. I mean, Fresh Pots, man. Fresh Pots. Fresh Pots. <laughs> so for those who don't know already, Them Crooked Vultures is a super group made up of Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, Dave Grohl, obviously, from Nirvana and Foo Fighters, and yeah. John Paul Jones, everyone's favorite Shh, bassist on. extraordinaire from the Zeppelins of Leds. Oh, man. And, uh, man, so they, you know, there's not, first of all, I'll say, there's not a ton of super detailed information about the studio recording process and all that sort of stuff. Okay. I tried to look it up as much as I could. Mm-hmm. I do know that it was recorded at Pink, uh, Pink Duck, which is Josh Homme's studio, okay. mostly recorded there. I think Alan Johannes, who um, plays with Queens and a bunch of other bands, he did some contributions to it too. And I think they did some, maybe some stuff at his studio in LA. I'm sure, yeah. Um, Basically, it came out in two thousand nine. Uh, what I didn't, I didn't really remember this. So when they, when they first released the stream of it, uh, it came out early, and they just put like sort of randomly put it on their website with the message "fuck patience, let's dance." I kind of remember that. I kind of remember that. Yeah. Uh, uh, cool, but man. they did it live to tape. Uh, I did a little bit of gear spotting because there are a couple sort of behind the scenes recording videos on YouTube and, um, you know, it's a lot of the stuff that we come to expect from those guys. Particularly, I saw a handful of VT forties, so gotta love the, the old Ampeg stuff in there. Yep. Um, the, I didn't know this, uh, they won a Grammy for like best, I think it was best hard rock performance for this record, which yeah, I didn't realize. I kind of remember that. I don't, I don't remember like who they were up against, but I remember hearing that no. and I was like, dude, I mean, absolutely. They, they deserve it, <laughs> you know? Some more, some more sort of facts about it. Debuted at number twelve on Billboard. Didn't okay. know that either. Uh, the first gig that they played as a band was at the Metro here in Chicago. Whoa, really? Uh, yeah, so it was like uh, it sold out. I, rem- I remember trying to get tickets for that and did not, and was very upset. But I did actually see them the second time they came through, which was the only other time, and they played at the Aragon. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, Aragon's fine, but also the, the sound was pretty shitty. So yeah, whatever. that's always the, the criticism of that place. But um, wow, I didn't know they played at Metro their first. But time. I mean, yeah, really cool. if you like any of the members of any of those bands that they were in, you're gonna like them Crooked Vultures. A lot of people, I think, like the sort of main slam on is that people say it kind of just sounds like a Queens of the Stone Age record, which I'm okay you know, with that, dude. <laughs> Josh Homme <laughs> yeah. and Dave Grohl plays on Queens records, right. so that makes sense. Um, I don't know. There's like. I, to me, I, I don't. I feel like that's a bit reductive. Like it's a little more riffy, a little more yeah. Zeppelin-y, yeah. a little more kind of like simple. I'd say it's a lot of the riffs. Are, they don't sound like the sort of thing that they spent like years wor- working on. I was like, oh, cool, we came up with this groove. Let's yep. record it. That's what and it, because they're all such badasses. It sounds cool. That's what it felt like to me too. It's like they got together. They were like, here's a few ideas. Let's let's throw them in the pot and let's see what we come up with, man. Throw in the fresh pot. That's how they do it. Fresh pots. Uh, I also noticed. Um, I think I remember John Paul Jones gear wise. He's playing like a, does he play like a five or six string, like weird bass? He plays like something. He plays a f- that four string. I think it's a, it's like um, a spectrum. I think it might a, be a, uh, um, uh, Manson, uh, yeah. which is the, it's a British company that was, uh, that makes, uh, Josh Bellamy or Matt Bellamy's guitars. You're right. from, um, yes. 
from Muse. Muse it's, yeah. He plays one of those. But you, you could there's yeah there are there are some weird there's some weird instruments. He plays clav on some of the songs. Yeah, of course. Um, but of course, you know, this record came out in 2009, and everyone's been sort of like clamoring for a follow up. And there've been a lot of interviews that they've done since then. Right. Two things that I saw that um, I would like to mention. The first one is that um, in an, uh, a Facebook post in 2019, Jimmy Page said that he had the opportunity to join Them Crooked Vultures, and for Whoa. some reason didn't. So like, oh, what? if could you imagine? If oh my Jimmy God. Page was my that he- shit? Head would explode, man. That'd be so but cool. This was the best thing that I came across. So it, it was also in a recent interview that within the past couple of years, someone was asking Dave. Dave Grohl about it and he's like yeah man of course like I fucking want to do it he's like this is like this is my band this is the band that I want to be in this is the band I've always wanted to be in yeah. but it's like hurting cats or whatever and then he said look if you want me to be the drummer in your band and this is the quote either we have to be best fucking friends or you have to be better than John Paul Jones and Josh Homme <laughs> <laughs> Well said, man. Well said. <laughs> and and then and then he went on to say something like, but also even if that even if we do that and those guys call me to play, that's what I'm doing. That's the that's band I'm priority. going to. Yeah, that's the choice. Absolutely. Wow. So I, yeah, the super group of all super groups. I mean, that's go listen just... to that record. It holds up. I listened to it this morning. Uh, all four sides. It's a it's it's if a single. You know, it's it's not like a double record, but the mm-hmm. way that they pressed it on vinyl is it's like the 180 gram thing, and then there's less songs on each side. So you got to do a little bit extra flipping. I'm fine with that. It sounds so fucking good, dude. The record sounds so good. I I need to get that on vinyl, man. I think I've only ever listened to that digitally, so... That's you really do. It's yeah. it's it's a good vinyl listen. It definitely translates. So them crooked vultures. Fuck yeah, I, they don't need anybody to, to push them. them. Everybody yeah, knows, right? but whatever. <laughs> I just love that record. I I I was so obsessed with that record. I, I I feel like I actually annoyed people with how much I wanted to talk about that album when it came out. Really? Yeah. I man, when that came out, it was huge. And then I I think I remember like the first couple of times I listened to it with some people who like weren't into it as much. And yeah, I don't know. You got to be. You got to be with the right people to listen, like to talk about that one, man. Like you yeah, really dude. have to appreciate that. All right, well, that was Riff Library, keeping it moving. We're this is gonna be a tight sode here because uh, you know we don't have a guest and there's just not a whole lot going on. But there are a few things to talk about in Future Gear here. Let's get into it. Uh, one is that Summer Nam would be going on right now. Ah. So uh, some companies are starting to release a couple things here and there. I saw that Gretsch put out a big, uh, fresh list of their new uh electromatics which are sort of like their import line Mm -hmm. Um, but i wanted to ask you if um this has come up a few times in the show and i feel like we kind of always default like oh well i really like the stuff that i already have sure sure, we we can't we can't do that what i want to ask you this is is in terms of future gear if if you had some money right now and someone forced you to buy some stuff that you don't have what would be like a bass or maybe a pedal or an amp or something that you would be very interesting in adding to your arsenal Mm. Interesting. I mean, I would probably get another guitar, to be honest. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I only have that Strat, and I've got a few. You know, I've got a few basses, um, so I'm pretty good. But yeah, I think I would want to get something with. Um, man, you know, I, I've been looking at a lot of Gibsons lately, man. Like mm. my reverb feed, I added Gibson um, Les Paul and Gibson SG to my reverb feed, and I want something with humbuckers on it. I think you know, just to kind of yeah, just to change it up, because all I got is the Crunch Strat. It up. The Strat's great. It can do pretty much everything, but. You know, um, something maybe even like a short, like a like a Les Paul Junior or something would be really cool. Something with uh, maybe like a little melody maker action, a little melody maker, something that's been modified, maybe something yeah. that's a little older. Um, you know, yeah, I, I would definitely definitely get another guitar. I think because I'm I'm pretty good on like pedals. Most of my pedals I can use with guitar if I really like wanted to. Um, so I think you know I would definitely look at getting 
another guitar and then playing it through the v4b and mills 15 inch cab dude you know what though i've got to say like i feel like i could totally picture you with an with an sg dude i love sgs i love SGs. i feel like i feel like that could be that could be like a dave guitar yeah dude i mean i don't you know now I send you SGs sometimes. I know you're very particular about your SGs. I'm very particular about my SGs, indeed. And I can't. I can't. The the fat waist '70s ones just look too chubby to me. Right, and and those are the ones you can get great deals on. That's, That's the thing. Like, sure so are. I would probably end up with one of those. I know my buddy Paul found a a, a used like a '72 Deluxe for like he got like he paid like a thousand bucks for it or nine hundred dollars for it or something Mm -hmm. like that, which he finds like weird deals. And I can't really, that's like, I can't really compare that to like a normal deal. But, um, you know, I have to say one of the first guests of the show, Paul. Yeah. Paul, shout out to Paul. Annie. I'm sure he's listening. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I would definitely probably look at like a seventies SG man. You know, I gotta say, you know, hopefully a deluxe would be cool, but you know, pretty much anything. The hard thing is, man, a lot of vintage stuff and we do this, you know, we sit online, we don't get to play this stuff. Yeah, um, especially nowadays, you know, with the quarantines, but um, I, I would definitely just look for that and just hope it was awesome. And you know, that'd be pretty you much. Could always it, return so. it or flip it. Now, do you do you have one? I mean, if if you had to buy something right now, oh, I've got oh, dude, yeah, I mean, I got a couple <laughs> things here. Uh, I think the thing there are a couple. Well, in terms of guitars, we were sort of talking about recently. I've kind of just like had a, a random hankering for a Jaguar re- recently. Yeah. Um, partially because of the short scale thing, partially partially just because like I think they look cool and Damn. I'm kind of tired of my telly uh, for the Fender thing. Uh, really, I've, I I can sort of cheat because one I haven't paid for it or, or technically earned it yet, but I have like recently acquired an amp, and that's another Balthazar amp, which is mm. the uh, Film Noir 50, and that yeah. is just – I, that might be my favorite amp of all time oh. at this point. I play it every single day. I go back and forth with that and the Cabaret 13 that I that I have earned that I own. I mean, I've already told Balti like he's not getting that amp back. Sure, like, like that is my I amp don't... now. But we're we're going to be doing modifications and stuff to it uh, within the next couple of weeks. So, nice. Um, that'll awesome, be man. that'll be interesting. But if I if if I have to choose something the thing that i don't really have i guess i have sort of but the thing that i don't really have is like a super high gain amp mm-hmm. um so like something specifically designed to do like crazy drop tune metal and shit like that so oh. I, I the one that i've always sort of wanted I, there are a few but the, the main one that i well actually you know what dude i've got i just i just totally flat out lied okay i just realized i told i own a mesa i own a mesa the dual rectifier uh yeah. the road uh, the road uh Roadster. That is yeah, that's that metal thing amp. Sounds perfect for metal. Absolutely. What am I talking about? Okay, so that's a combo. I need a head. That's that's this is how I'm going to spin this. That's that's a combo amp with two twelves. If I if I, I want a metal head, okay. And that one that I want is the Bogner Ubershaw. Uh, uh, it's it's crazy loud and and super is nasty that 100 and watt filthy. Or the one that I want is called the Twin Jet, and it's 120 watts. Jesus, uh, it has, I believe, KT66 power tubes. I want to say I'm not 100. I don't remember. I think it's KT. Maybe 88. I don't know. Regardless, very loud. It doesn't even have a clean channel. It's just two distortion channels. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played every. I've played Diesel and Mesa and Bogner and and all of the above. And the Bogner Ubershall to me is just like that's the one. Wow. Uh, that that I want. So yeah, if I were if I were, and and they're not cheap. They're, and that's they're just definitely a head, like right? even. That's not a combo. It's just a head. Yeah, I don't think they ever made a combo version of the Ubershaw. Of yeah. course, he's made combos of like did. the Shiva and yeah, they did that stuff. for a lot of the models. I think. Um, well, and I'm mine. I mean, I own I own a Bogner Alchemist, and that's a two twelve combo. But right. it's it's not it's not as high gain as the Ubershaw. It's just its, its own thing. What would you pair it with then for a cab if you were going to play some metal? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the default, of course, is just like a Marshall 412. But mm-hmm. I, when I when I first spent time with that amp, it was back at Making Music when that used to be still in Chicago and not in right. the suburbs. And I tried it with every cab they had in the shop. And my favorite was actually a Bogner oversized 212. Okay. There was something about it that it still had the beef in the bottom end, but it, it was – there was something more sort of – I don't know, clear about it or, or open or something that it just, uh, I, I remember I, I, it was before I owned my Les Paul custom that I have now, but I plugged their, they had a seventies Les Paul custom. I plugged that directly into the Uber shawl and then just tried like a bunch of different cabs and, uh, the, uh, seventies Les Paul custom into the Uber shawl into oh. a 212 was just, that was just like the, it was the best palm muting sound I've ever heard in my life. And that oh. was kind of like the thing. Yeah. Don't they make an Ubershawl so, uh, pedal or something? They do, yeah. They so they they make an Ubershawl which is black, and they also make um, two different uh, Ecstasies, which are the red and blue channel of the Bogner Ecstasy. I've used all of them; they're fine. Uh, like what's the, I like the, the I like the idea tone of the Ecstasy that? better. It's just supposed to be like a portable version of the amp, kind of like it gives you that same tone, or what? Well, it's technically a preamp. So mm-hmm. the way that those pedals are supposed to be used, in my opinion, is we've talked about this a lot, but using a preamp into a preamp is kind of a weird thing. You're, there's like this, there's always going to be a bottleneck there. Right. To me, if you're going to use one of those and the best, the best uh, experience I've had with them is using them into a tube amp that has an effects loop. And then you just run the preamp into the uh, return of the effects loop right. and bypass the preamp of the amp. And then that sort of gives you all that tone shaping uh, and, and more sort of accurate representation of the Ubershall amp. But to me, that amp is really about, getting the power tubes cooking too it's like it's this combination of everything so yeah. you could get close with that sort of setup and that would be cool but i i, I don't i can't imagine it's going to get you even you know 75 percent of the way to an actual uber shawl amp. now what are we talking uh, price point here on these uber shells they're like two plus for sure i okay. mean i don't i'm not positive if they're still manufacturing them new mm-hmm. uh i'd have to look into that and there's there are a couple different iterations there's one revision i can't remember which one it's like rev b or something is the one that i decided i liked a long time ago okay um, but they're 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 north of 2000 they're not like you know dumble but they're certainly they're certainly not cheap yeah well yeah i mean bogners are always kind of known to be they're higher end you know not oh yeah not i mean i don't think you can find cheap anything with that with that tag on it right just the just the amp that I have, the Alchemist, because that was the one where it was all Bogner designed, but then actually manufactured by the parent company of Line Six overseas. Oh, so that's it was right. like they're sort of like affordable. You know, they were in the like I don't know twelve to fifteen hundred dollar range, and now you could probably get them more like six, seven hundred, eight hundred bucks. Oh shit! Uh, man. And they sound fucking awesome. They're Fuck great. Yeah, the they do. the manufacturing quality isn't as good, uh, mm. and I've had to have mine repaired a few times. I used to gig that amp a lot. Oh okay. Uh, I've had it repaired a few times. There's some weird stuff with the pots, but um, I mean, I think they sound fantastic and you've you've that had was, that thing for a long time because you were playing that in volcanoes when i was playing with you guys that was, was my pretty first sure. volcanoes amp that was before i even had an orange or basement or any of the yeah. stuff that i played for the majority of it yeah that was um i've had that amp for well at least 10 years i'd say yeah probably yeah. more and it gets really loud <laughs> it's like a 40 watts i think it's switchable between 20 and 40 watts yeah. a 212 combo that amp is how i discovered my favorite speaker combination of uh, Celestian G12H uh, anniversary with a greenback. Uh, ah. Those two together is my favorite combo. Of Did two you, ru- do you? Is that the speakers you have in yours? That's that's what I have in mine. Yep, that's what and, it came with. I think eventually they cheaped out and went to cheaper speakers than that, but uh, that's the one that I have. Did you ever run it to like an extension cab or anything? Oh yeah, all bunch of times. Hell yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking. Oh yeah, about. dude. Yeah, baby. Well, yeah, that was a uh, that was a little. Uh, 
future well, gear that talk. we could, that we yeah. could get in, into there. Uh, oh, one other thing, because this came up because of Summer Nam. Uh, I noticed that also Record Store Day, which is obviously something that I, um, as a record collector, have cared about forever. It's yeah. not happening in person this year, ah. but they are going to be doing rsd drops okay they're calling it and it is three saturdays across three consecutive months that is august 29th september 26th and october 24th okay. you're still going to be able to get those like limited releases it's going to be mostly online or sort of you know uh like distance pickup from stores that sort of thing mm-hmm. so if you can still participate it's possible it's just you, you're not going to be waiting in line doing it like we used to do it right right uh yeah i wonder just because you know i mean Technically, like record stores are open, right? I mean, retail stores are open. So I wonder how they are going to go about that. Yeah, I don't think that they all are. I mean, I know for sure at least the one closest to me, Dusty Groove, is only doing uh, pickups right now. Like you can buy uh, online you order and it pick online up from and them. Then go pick They've it got up. like a service like side window thing. But I don't I, – actually, I'm not like, sure. I wonder if Reckless is open. That's a really good question. I, don't, I mean, personally, I don't really – relish in the idea of going to a place and touching no. stuff that a bunch of other people are touching well like, and it's kind of like sort of like the point of it yeah i know right like like thumbing through records and shit and yeah like, and that's kind of what we were talking about with chicago music exchange too is like you don't go there to like grab something and leave you know unless you know exactly what you want but you kind of go to the like to, you know check stuff out especially a record store man i mean you spend oh, yeah. two hours in a record store easy you know oh sure easily I, the that. first thing i do every time i go to reckless which that's i mean i've spent way more money there on records than any yeah. other record store yep. in the in the world uh the first thing i do is go to the new arrive the new Same here. arrivals and Same just here. like check out oh it's like oh yeah i forgot about that oh that's a good deal oh cool i don't have that in my collection then you have like a pile of records in your arm and you're like i can't afford all this what am i gonna, every single time what yeah, am i, I pick, wind up yeah. with like 20 records and then by the time i'm leaving I'm like well i'll just do like six yeah and then have to put them back um I, I kind of want to, you know, talking about records, I kind of want to just go and, and, and laugh at myself a little bit. Um, what happened? Well, I, I think I texted you this the other day. Um, I, I didn't realize that Reverb LP is, is no longer a website. Dude, yeah, same. So, and I've been telling people, and I'm sure I've told people on this podcast. You talked about it on the show at least, since, like, if not last week, two weeks ago. Well, since January, they've been closed, apparently. And it makes sense. I think I think it might have had to do something with the uh, Etsy deal that they got into. Of course, yeah, Etsy, because that was part of the property, but it's just, you know, it, w- it wasn't profitable yet. So, yeah, so, of course, Etsy would shut it down course, and not try to compete with the big guy, Discogs. I'm, I'm the guy who, like, tells people about stuff, but then I, like, don't do it myself, you know, because I'm always like, oh, go to Reverb LP. You can find it there. And by the way, I've bought a lot of records on there but probably not in the last you know over a year or so yeah i've only bought a few and dude i could find great deals i think i got um the last record i think i bought was sticky fingers and i got it for like four bucks and then they ship it you know it's another like five bucks to ship it or something and it's in like perfect condition it's like the it's like a, a version from the 70s it's got like the zipper on the front and everything yeah dude and you know it's just I was like telling people about Reverb LP, so I apologize to anybody who logged in to try to find <laughs> Reverb LP because if you type it in Google, all you find is articles about how it it's been closed since January of 2020. Yeah, so uh, I, did, I well, I didn't know either, so I'm glad you you informed me. Yeah. So sure. so you recommend uh, going to Discogs, I guess, to find stuff, or what do you where do you go find records online right now? Generally, uh, yeah. So well, I do use Discogs because uh, first of all, I. I'm, as as our listeners know, and as you know, I'm obsessed with cataloging things. So I have my entire, well, I'd say like 99% of my collection cataloged on Discogs. Okay, and that for and that is because that is just it has been accepted for years as the place for people to do that. So it's all it's all community driven, but it's just the always up to date information. And if you've ever tried to catalog your records, especially if you have old records, you know that there are like 
sometimes dozens of versions yeah. of these records, multiple pressings, and then right. that all deeply affects the value. Mm-hmm. So it's important to get that kind of shit right. So Discogs is a place for that. They have I really like their phone app because they've updated it so that if uh if it if the record came out post uh, you know, ISBN barcodes, all you have to do is scan the barcode and then it just knows which record, which version you right. have and it throws it in, into your collection. Oh, very cool. Of course, before, you know, that was invented, uh, it, it requires some more sort of sleuth work and there are like these little catalog numbers and stuff you learn to look for. Um, so yeah, the cataloging aspect I definitely support, but also there's just a huge marketplace there. I mean, you can, f- I have bought records that I've been looking for for years on there that I never ever found anywhere else. Okay. Uh, because it, you know, Discogs is just kind of like the international and you can get stuff from all across the globe. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just like the U S or anything. Yeah. Because it is sort of like, you know, the accepted sort of eBay of records or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I should add, you can buy records on eBay too, but yeah. caveat emptor, you don't know exactly what you're getting. Uh, prices can be a little bit higher because, mm-hmm. People know exactly what's. It's like anything else. They know exactly what the value it's it proven. should be. Yeah, right. So it's and you can see like, oh, this this particular version of this particular record sold for this amount this many times. You oh. know, you can see all the history of stuff. So yeah, I know you, you didn't necessarily love the experience, uh, user experience you had with Discogs, but I, I I'm a oh, supporter. Yeah. I'm into it. No, I was just joking because I've I've always heard people talk about it, but I've never used it because I've. Uh, you know, I, I buy records cause I just want to hear it. I don't really care like what version it is as long as it's, yeah. as long as I can get it cheap and it's in good condition. I like the old ones. Like I love having, like I've got a pressing of, um, animals from Pink Floyd that has like a typo in the lyrics, I guess, or oh, something. Badass. Or they, and it's, or they changed the lyric like after they already printed the artwork or something. I'm not sure exactly like how it happened, but yeah. It's, it's not super rare because I think they sent out a bunch. I got it for probably like 10 or 15 bucks, but I wanted animals and I went on and I was like, well, that's kind of a cool version of that. And it's not ridiculously expensive. So that's kind of how I look at, you know, trying to buy records, but I'll buy a new pressing. I've got half of my Beatles records are probably from like Walmart or something like that, you know? So, yeah. you know, I don't really care. I mean, and I do like the, the heavier, like the 180 gram vinyl too. I just feel like it holds up a little better too, but. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, there's there's certainly arguments either way. I think the the main thing for me, yes, I, I am a collector and I do appreciate the sort of rarity and that sort of thing and sure. value. But for me, it's all about the reason I like records so much is I want to hear how the artist originally intended intended the audience to hear it, right? And yeah. and and you what you find, especially with stuff that you know is well documented, particularly like Frank Zappa and the Beatles and stuff. Like the records that came out originally, the original mixes that came out on vinyl sound oftentimes vastly different than right. what we've gotten on CD or Spotify or whatever. Uh, not necessarily better or worse. Sometimes it is better, but I, I, I there's something about the experience for me where I just. I know that the rec- the the artist sat down and listened to the, this master, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm hearing, and that's that's how I like to experience when I can. But that said, you know there are certain times like I think we might have even talked about this in the past. I'm a big metalhead. I love brutal heavy metal, and I don't really like buying metal on vinyl a lot of times because I don't think it translates as well yeah. through the analog medium as it does with uh, more of like a digital sort of clean hard. Uh, no noise take like it's really hard to get super super tight bass and, and really attacky kick drums on a vinyl record that's just inherent to the format so there are certain things like I said like brutal metal in particular that I still kind of prefer digital listening you have you have some though 
Oh yeah, I've got yeah. a bunch. I mean, that's how I learned. Yeah. Uh, and I will say that I, I think that as time has gone on, some of the pressings have gotten a bit better in that mm-hmm. regard. Like I have a few different versions of Master of Puppets, and uh, as, as an example, sure. and the most recent one I spent, you know, a ridiculous amount of money getting the like they did this huge anniversary repressing and a box set and all that stuff. Right. And that one sounds freaking fantastic. I'm it sounds sure. really, really good. Um, part of that is the mastering process. Part of that is just the, how that record was made originally. But like, especially super modern modern really down tuned like animals as leaders or something like that yeah, with a yeah. ton of really low bass content it's just vinyl isn't super awesome at translating that um, yeah and maybe maybe if you had like a hundred thousand dollar nasa rig uh but my like you know a couple thousand <laughs> yeah, dollar at home rig like yeah uh can't quite do it so yeah yeah man uh little vinyl talks right i love there. it man yeah i didn't know that about like different versions can actually sound different because so did they like oh, yes. re- they remix remixed or remastered those even very often yeah wow. and the, the way that the tracks were laid out uh in, in terms of, in terms of sequencing mm-hmm. um yeah the zappa stuff you'll hear like you'll listen to it on vinyl and then you'll go and listen to the exact same record on spotify and it just it just sounds different it's just different a different experience and and i think that is really other than just like old dudes trying to recapture their childhoods i think a main reason that those original pressings are so expensive is for that reason it's just this is the sort of original product as it was intended before remastering and remixing and digitalization and all sure, that shit. sure yeah absolutely that makes sense yeah i guess yeah, man. Uh, i never really looked at it that way well i got one more thing for future gear here and this got, is man. i had i had to take a lot of notes on this one because uh it's very complicated and i don't i still don't totally understand it but i it, it is like pretty much the epitome of future gear so <laughs> I, I needed to talk about it uh okay so here's the deal uh Doctor, I'm just going to start reading a bit here because, again, I'm, I'm going to fuck this up otherwise. Okay. Dr. Alexis Kirk, Senior Research Fellow in the Interdisciplinary Center for Computer Music Research at the University of Plymouth, has published new results that a human pianist can communicate with a quantum computer via teleportation. Uh, I'm just going to pause there for a second. You said teleportation. Yeah, and quantum computers and a pianist. <laughs> I'll, I'll continue. Quantum teleportation involves transmitting quantum information over vast distances with immediate effect. Kirk, the doctor I mentioned, makes use of a system known as MIQ, which is multi-agent interactive QGMuse, where the quantum computer carries out a quantum methodology called Grover's algorithm. This is significantly quicker than classical computer algorithms and is used to generate music in response. This Increase in process, process, processing speed is called the quantum speed up, and this is the first time it's been demonstrated in music. So basically, yeah. this guy with quantum computers—I'm not going to get into what quantum computers are—but basically, like all the computers we use right now are just are just computers. Right. Quantum computers are these this new. F- quantum physics based technology where it's like super super small stuff and it the power that uh it is capable of is just infinitely beyond what we have right now with the computers that we're using to like make this podcast for instance right kirk's research was tested on two of ibm's quantum computers and this is a quote we did a jam between a human keyboard player and a quantum ai agent based on the game of thrones theme tune and i actually <laughs> they've published this on youtube and i've listened to it okay. and it is a and it is a human person playing a piano jamming with ai a computer ai in real time okay but it's not just like a track no 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 it's it is a, an artificial intelligence listening to the music that's being input and because of the speed uh, of quantum computing and now this quantum teleportation which is how they deliver that data 
there it can actually respond in what is essentially real time and and this computer can sort Whoa. of jam with you and what they said was as far as we're aware it was the first performance between a human and a hardware quantum computer that actually used the quantum advantage of course quantum advantage as i said being this like the, the teleport the teleportation the speed right used and needed to go it before this research no one had demonstrated a quantum advantage for music there had been work done making music with quantum computers but this research research shows that quantum computers not only hold the key in the future for breaking encryption algorithms and providing secure communications but also for super fast musical ais Whoa, man! Musical AI. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, dude. so that musical AI in itself is not necessarily new. I mean, right. there are a lot of things out there, plugins that will sort of listen to what your what the mix you're working on and provide sort of uh, automated uh, EQ tweaks and and that sort of thing. Or like mm-hmm. even built into built into the iPhone, if you use the Music Memos app and you record into it, um, you can add. And I've demonstrated this for you before. You can add like live quote unquote live AI drums to stuff that it just like right. listens to what you're right. playing. Or like a bass, it'll listen and be like, oh, this is he's playing GFC, and then it'll like add a baseline. That stuff sort of exists, yeah. but not to respond to to thoughtfully yeah. in take the input of what you're adding to it musically and then to respond like like if you and I were jamming in a room it's that fast that it just it, it's that fast it, it listens and, that's and plays it back so that's yeah that's like two people basically yeah or wow. i mean i'm sure that you know it could be like a whole symphony or right right but i sort of like to speed. simplify it it's like if me and you sat in a room and you started playing something on guitar and i started playing something on bass we're jamming you know yep so you can, it, now you can jam, do that with, with this technology. You can jam with a computer, <laughs> and it uses quantum teleportation, dude. Wow! What the fuck does that even mean? I don't even I know. St- I've, I explained I, it. I, I read it. Over I read this part, article. I, was like, I watched videos. Weird. What the fuck is quantum teleportation? That's what I'm saying. Like, what are we teleporting here? I mean, I guess it's the note going. It's the data. It's, yeah, the, it's no- the data. Yeah. Right. Jeez, man. I mean. Clearly, I have nothing profound to add or say about this other than I just wanted to get it out there in the world that this exists because it, cool. it absolutely blew my freaking mind. Yeah. That, Is there that, like a and, demo of the guy? There's a demo of the guy playing with the computer or something? Yeah, well, you hear it. You don't like see anything. Okay. There's, you know, it's just it was some YouTube uh, video with like a static image oh, okay. uh, in the article that I read about it, I believe on musictech.net. Uh, it's just... I don't. I mean, it, it's not good or bad. I don't think that this is like a threat to uh, right. any musician's livelihood or anything like that. Right. I think the thing, honestly, that I was kind of most stricken by was the first struck by was the fact that you know this is a doctor at a university and he like his job is to research this kind of thing like there yeah. is this kind of research actually happening in the world right now. Yeah, that's cool. That, uh, yeah, it has other sort of as they mentioned encryption algorithms and secure communication like it has these other sort of applications but really uh, like they're using it right now to fucking jam game of thrones with a computer dude that's so cool though man like think about it like if you were like i've got a gig and like maybe like the bass player is sick or something and then you're like let's bring the quantum computer it'll do it. it'll be fine he knows yeah, i bet it, i bet it'll show up on time no, that's now that it is quantum <laughs> teleportation it'll fucking it be there <laughs> yeah he's late to the gig exactly um, that's so cool though, man. I kind of love it because, you know, it, like we we all get stuck sometimes too, like in writing and stuff like that. And I feel like something like this could really be a nice aid to kind of help you move forward with like a songwriting process, you know? Agreed. And and my hope is that 
and this is something that we've talked about a lot and and I still don't feel that there is a, an excellent solution out there you know maybe even though it's quantum based maybe there's there are things about this technology and these learnings that can be applied to non-quantum computing yeah. that we can then finally fucking jam with each other on the internet without latency Ugh. I mean it's the one thing that we really could have used especially during this quarantine time it's yeah, just, speed just it up, to be doctors. able to play live man come on maybe we just need to buy quantum computers Henry how much do those cost I don't I don't know. I mean, let's just go can have you, these. Can you find one on eBay or is it like something you have to be like you have to What be like, I do know I What know. I do know about quantum computers is that uh like all computers, you know, they they put off heat. It's 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 just uh, like simple energy and quantum computers require extreme levels of deep cold uh you know, like we're talking oh. like in the Kelvin scale uh to be able to to actually, you know, process things properly and not just melt. It's like a um, nuclear it, a nuclear core level. But like the opposite. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, like right. it it yeah, it's it's it, it just needs to be super, super cold. Whoa. Uh so I think that would be a major issue uh for us uh, <laughs> to to get those at home. Um but I mean quantum computing is the future, everybody accepts that. I don't know yeah. how long until it becomes a consumer technology necessarily. We're probably not eventually far from we're it, all man. gonna get there. Yeah, we're probably yeah, not within far fifty from years it. probably. Easily. Yeah, I believe it. Wow. That's a really fascinating article, man. I'll have to uh maybe I'll repost that for everybody to to check out. To everyone for everyone to get real confused about. <laughs> well, the when you, you got me with the first line when you said like quantum teleportation or something, and I was like, Yeah, dude. dude I I don't know, man. It went right over my head. But now I understand. A human it. penis can communicate with a quantum computer via <laughs> teleportation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I, I don't quite understand. Maybe it's in the method of delivery why it's called teleportation and not just like, I don't know, like communication, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, maybe just because it sounds cool. I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure about that, but I want to teleport. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. Well, I don't know. I'd be a little scared because like, you've seen The Fly, right? I've I I've seen the fly Jeff Goldblum uh, yeah. one of his finer performances. He was he, yeah actually one of my favorite Jeff Goldblum movies. He was he was trying to teleport. That's how that whole thing started. That's right. Like I go from over here. And there was, there was just here. a fly in the in the machine. That's all that happened, man. And he did it successfully. But yeah, if you guys out and there then haven't, and haven't then seen the fly, uh, f- nails and fingers or his uh, <laughs> teeth start falling. One out. of the grossest movies ever made. By yeah, far. dude. <laughs> I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I think I was scarred by it. Yeah, it's bad, man. Gina Davis. Um. That's fascinating. Well, though, you know what, man? Uh, I wasn't scarred by this episode, and I and I think it was the opposite of scarring. I think it was delightful. Uh, me and too, man. I really appreciate. I think the maybe let's just let's just pack it in and, and call it a day there. All right. Uh, have have yourself a wonderful Freedom Weekend. Thank Enjoy you. your your distance and your lake and your and your uh, vacation with your I beautiful will. wife. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And enjoy enjoy Chicago. Be safe out there. Um, I will say to everybody, we'll talk to you next week who will be listening to this after the 4th of July weekend. So hope everybody had a safe, uh, friendly weekend. Yeah, exactly, man. And, uh, you know, if you've got any any questions or thoughts or feedback for us, we always welcome that shit if you listen this late in the episode. So send us an email, gearbudspodcast at gmail.com. You know, just uh, keep it keep it tight. Keep it high and tight, guys. Love you, buddy. All right, love you too, man. Talk to you later.